Volume the Third, Chapter One of Caleb Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Darvinia. Caleb Williams by William Godwin. Volume the Third, Chapter One. I passed along the lane I have described without perceiving or being observed by a human being. The doors were shut, the window shutters closed, and all was still as night. I reached the extremity of the lane unmolested. My pursuers, if they immediately followed, would know that the likelihood was small of my having in the interval found shelter in this place, and would proceed without hesitation, as I on my part was obliged to do, from the end nearest to the prison to its furthest termination. The face of the country, in the spot to which I had thus opened myself a passage, was rude and uncultivated. It was overgrown with brushwood and firs. The soil was, for the most part, of a loose sand, and the surface extremely irregular. I climbed a small eminence, and could perceive, not very remote in the distance, a few cottages thinly scattered. This prospect did not altogether please me. I conceived that my safety would, for the present, be extremely assisted by keeping myself from the view of any human being. I therefore came down again into the valley, and upon a careful examination, perceived that it was interspersed with cavities, some deeper than others, but all of them so shallow, as neither to be capable of hiding a man, nor of exciting suspicion as places of possible concealment. Meanwhile the day had but just begun to dawn. The morning was lowering and drizzly, and though the depth of these caverns was of course well known to the neighbouring inhabitants, the shadows they cast were so black and impenetrable, as might well have produced wider expectations in the mind of a stranger. Poor, therefore, as was the protection they were able to afford, I thought it right to have recourse to it for the moment, as the best the emergency would supply. It was for my life, and the greater was the jeopardy to which it was exposed, the more dear did that life seem to become to my affections." The recess I chose, as most secure, was within little more than a hundred yards of the end of the lane, and the extreme buildings of the town. I had not stood up in this manner two minutes, before I heard the sound of feet, and presently saw the ordinary turnkey, and another, pass the place of my retreat. They were so close to me, that if I had stretched out my hand, I believe I could have caught hold of their clothes, without so much as changing my posture. As no part of the overhanging earth intervened between me and them, I could see them entire, though the deepness of the shade rendered me almost completely invisible. I heard them say to each other, in tones of vehement asperity, "'Curse the rascal! Which way can he be gone?' The reply was, "'Damn him! I wish we had him but safe once again!' "'Never fear,' rejoined the first. He cannot have above half a mile the start of us. They were presently out of hearing, for, as to sight, I dared not advance my body, so much as an inch, to look after them, lest I should be discovered by my pursuers in some other direction. From the very short time that elapsed, between my escape and the appearance of these men, I concluded that they had made their way through the same outlet as I had done it being impossible that they could have had time to come from the gate of the prison, and so round a considerable part of the town, 
as they must otherwise have done. I was so alarmed at this instance of diligence on the part of the enemy, that for some time I scarcely ventured to proceed an inch from my place of concealment, or almost to change my posture. The morning, which had been bleak and drizzly, was succeeded by a day of heavy and incessant rain, and the gloomy state of the air and surrounding objects, together with the extreme nearness of my prison, and a total want of food, caused me to pass the hours in no very agreeable sensations. This inclemency of the weather, however, which generated a feeling of stillness and solitude, encouraged me, by degrees, to change my retreat, for another of the same nature, out of somewhat greater security. I hovered with little variation about a single spot, as long as the sun continued above the horizon. Towards evening the clouds began to disperse, and the moon shone, as on the preceding night, in full brightness. I had perceived no human creature during the whole day, except in the instance already mentioned. This had perhaps been owing to the nature of the day, at all events I considered it as too hazardous an experiment to venture from my hiding-place in so clear and fine a night. I was therefore obliged to wait for the setting of this luminary, which was not till near five o'clock in the morning. My only relief during this interval was to allow myself to sink to the bottom of my cavern, it being scarcely possible for me to continue any longer on my feet. Here I fell into an interrupted and unrefreshing doze, the consequence of a laborious night, and a tedious, melancholy day, though I rather sought to avoid sleep, which, cooperating with the coldness of the season, would tend more to injury than advantage. The period of darkness, which I had determined to use for the purpose of removing to a greater distance from my prison, was, in its whole duration, something less than three hours. When I rose from my seat, I was weak with hunger and fatigue and, which was worse, I seemed, between the dampness of the preceding day and the sharp, clear frost of the night, to have lost the command of my limbs. I stood up and shook myself. I leaned against the side of the hill, impelling in different directions the muscles of the extremities, and at length recovered in some degree the sense of feeling. This operation was attended with an incredible aching pain and required no common share of resolution to encounter and prosecute it. Having quitted my retreat, I at first advanced with weak and tottering steps, but, as I proceeded, increased my pace. The barren heath, which reached to the edge of the town, was at least on this side without a path, but the stars shone, and guiding myself by them, I determined to steer as far as possible from the hateful scene where I had been so long confined. The line I pursued was of irregular surface, sometimes obliging me to climb a steep ascent, and at others to go down into a dark and impenetrable dell. I was often compelled, by the dangerousness of the way, to deviate considerably from the direction I wished to pursue. In the meantime, I advanced with as much rapidity as these and similar obstacles would permit me to do. The swiftness of the motion and the thinness of the air restored to me my alacrity. I forgot the inconvenience under which I laboured, and my mind became lively, spirited, and enthusiastic. I had now reached the border of the heath, and entered upon what is usually termed the forest. 
strange as it may seem it is nevertheless true that in this conjuncture exhausted with hunger destitute of all provision for the future and surrounded with the most alarming dangers my mind suddenly became glowing animated and cheerful i thought that by this time the most formidable difficulties of my undertaking were surmounted and i could not believe that after having effected so much i should find anything invincible in what remained to be done i recollected the confinement i had undergone and the fate that had impended over me with horror never did man feel more vividly than i felt at that moment the sweets of liberty never did man more strenuously prefer poverty with independence to the artificial allurements of a life of slavery i stretched forth my arms with rapture i clapped my hands one upon the other and exclaimed ah this is indeed to be a man these wrists were lately galled with fetters all my motions whether i rose up or sat down were echoed to with the clanking of chains i was tied down like a wild beast and could not move but in a circle of a few feet in circumference now i can run fleet as a greyhound and leap like a young roe upon the mountains o oh god if god there be that condescends to record the lonely beatings of an anxious heart thou only canst tell with what delight a prisoner just broke forth from his dungeon hugs the blessings of new-found liberty sacred and indescribable moment when man regains his rights but lately i held my life in jeopardy because one man was unprincipled enough to assert what he knew to be false i was destined to suffer an early and inexorable death from the hands of others because none of them had penetration enough to distinguish from falsehood what i uttered with the entire conviction of a full-fraught heart strange that men from age to age should consent to hold their lives at the breath of another merely that each in his turn may have a power of acting the tyrant according to law o oh god give me poverty shower upon me all the imaginary hardships of human life i will receive them all with thankfulness turn me a prey to the wild beasts of the desert so i be never again the victim of man dressed in the gore-dripping robes of authority suffer me at least to call life and the pursuits of life my own let me hold it at the mercy of the elements of the hunger of beasts or the revenge of barbarians but not of the cold-blooded prudence of monopolists and kings how enviable was the enthusiasm which could thus furnish me with energy in the midst of hunger poverty and universal desertion i had now walked at least six miles at first i carefully avoided the habitations that lay in my way and feared to be seen by any of the persons to whom they belonged lest it should in any degree furnish a clue to the researches of my pursuers as i went forward i conceived it might be proper to relax a part of my precaution at this time i perceived several persons coming out of a thicket close to me i immediately considered this circumstance as rather favourable than the contrary it was necessary for me to avoid entering any of the towns and villages in the vicinity it was however full time that i should procure for myself some species of refreshment and by no means improbable that these men might be in some way assisting to me in that respect 
In my situation it appeared to me indifferent what might be their employment or profession. I had little to apprehend from thieves, and I believed that they, as well as honest men, could not fail to have some compassion for a person under my circumstances. I therefore rather threw myself in their way than avoided them. They were thieves. One of the company cried out, "'Who goes there? Stand!' I accosted them. "'Gentlemen,' said I, "'I am a poor traveller, almost.' While I spoke, they came round me, and he that had first hailed me said, "'Damn me! Tip us none of your palaver. We have heard that story of a poor traveller any time these five years. Come, down with your dust. Let us see what you have got.' "'Sir,' I replied, "'I have not a shilling in the world, and am more than half starved beside.' "'Not a shilling?' answered my assailant. "'What?' I suppose you are as poor as a thief. But if you have not money, you have clothes, and those you must resign. My clothes, rejoined I with indignation, you cannot desire such a thing. Is it not enough that I am penniless? I have been all night upon the open heath. It is now the second day that I have not eaten a morsel of bread. Would you strip me naked to the weather in the midst of this depopulated forest? no no you are men the same hatred of oppression that arms you against the insolence of wealth will teach you to relieve those who are perishing like me for god's sake give me food do not strip me of the comforts i still possess while i uttered this apostrophe the unpremeditated eloquence of sentiment i could perceive by their gestures though the day had not yet begun to dawn that the feelings of one or two of the company appeared to take my part. The man, who had already undertaken to be their spokesman, perceived the same thing, and excited either by the brutality of his temper or the love of command, hastened to anticipate the disgrace of a defeat. He brushed suddenly up to me, and by main force pushed me several feet from the place where I stood. The shock I received drove me upon a second of the gang, not one of those who had listened to my expostulation, and he repeated the brutality. My indignation was strongly excited by this treatment, and after being thrust backward and forward two or three times in this manner, I broke through my assailants, and turned round to defend myself. The first that advanced within my reach was my original enemy. In the present moment I listened to nothing but the dictates of passion, and I laid him at his length on the earth. I was immediately assailed with sticks and bludgeons on all sides, and presently received a blow that almost deprived me of my senses. The man I had knocked down was now upon his feet again, and aimed a stroke at me with a cutlass as I fell, which took place in a deep wound upon my neck and shoulder. He was going to repeat his blow. The two who had seemed to waver at first in their animosity— afterwards appeared to me to join in the attack, urged either by animal sympathy or the spirit of imitation. One of them, however, as I afterwards understood, seized the arm of the man who was going to strike me a second time with his cutlass, and who would otherwise probably have put an end to my existence. I could hear the words, "'Damn it! Enough! Enough! That is too bad, Gines!' "'How so?' replied a second voice. 
He will but pine here upon the forest and die by inches. It will be an act of charity to put him out of his pain. It will be imagined that I was not uninterested in this sort of debate. I made an effort to speak. My voice failed me. I stretched out one hand with a gesture of entreaty. "'You shall not strike by God,' said one of the voices. "'Why should we be murderers?' The side of forbearance at length prevailed. They therefore contented themselves with stripping me of my coat and waistcoat, and rolling me into a dry ditch. They then left me, totally regardless of my distressed condition, and the plentiful effusion of blood which streamed from my wound. End of chapter 1 of Volume the Third